Guys, this is part two of the episode. If you haven't heard part one yet, what would you do? Speaking of your feature film, how what was the pitching process like to producers? Or did you both? <laughs> <laughs> well, pitching to producers is quite painful. Um, <coughs> and it's something that I pretty much hate. Mm. Um, I've had some good pitches in the past where, and the thing is with pitches as well, I keep saying pitches, but <laughs> when you pitch, 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 pitch. When, when you pitch, you should be confident and you should just let it flow. But in the back of your mind, you are thinking this person could say yes or no. Mm. So you're fighting against it. It's counterintuitive. You really want this person to say, yes, let's look at it. But then the other side, you know, but, you, and you what they they're looking at you and thinking is he relaxed does he know what he's on about he's confident but inside your mind you're thinking oh fuck I hope I don't mess this up what was I supposed to say so it's, I hate pitching but <laughs> it's it's important the best thing to do with pitching is just uh, practice with your mates practice 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 and prepare I spoke to a filmmaker on my podcast a few weeks ago Joel's and he just said the same thing to prepare prepare so it's second nature mm. um, but for this debut I pitched a few times but what this this debut feature film I made it was all came from the fact that I had another feature film in the process that had gone all through the process had a producer on board mm. we were trying to get investment we'd done some auditions and over, and I held on for about three or four years, and it got to a point where it just wasn't happening, and I just got so pissed off. I said, right, I'm going to write a film that I know I can make, whether a producer wants to get involved or not. And it got to a point where I started looking around for investment. I thought, can I do it with this? Can I pull in some favours? And I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to do it myself. Because I weren't waiting around. The film industry is a nightmare. Time just ceases. Um, and I just re- was desperate to get the first my first feature under my belt. I've done loads of shorts. Feature film is 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 the big, is the pinnacle. So I thought I'm gonna do it. So I wrote it with budget in mind, cast in mind, everything. Uh, and then I knew. And, and it was hard work. I produced it basically. It was hard work. Did a bit of crowdfunding, got a little bit of money together. Like I say, pulled in a lot of favors, used a bit of my own cash. Um, and just, but it was quite freeing to think I can make this. I can write down the script exactly. We're talking about changing the script. Fuck that. I could do what I want with this script. I can write what I want. It was quite freeing. You know, I thought, right, there's going to be a scene where the, uh, there's a woman in it. She's a bit of a psychopath and she's going to dance to this music. She's just going to dance from nowhere, put this music on, do this sultry dance. And I wrote it in there and we did it and it was fantastic. Now, if that was if that I had a producer on board, he would have said, take that out. It's mm. not needed. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. quite freeing. I just went, no. And now look at editing back of the film. And the film's good, but what what we what we we made it on, it's brilliant. It's got a lot of heart. 
But what it has got as well is there's certain scenes that just stick out that are really cracking, uh, and that's that's one of them. So yeah, there you what's, go. What's the film called? So people can check it out. It's called a kid. It's called a kidnap. It's out with dis- distributors at the minute. So it's, mm-hmm. first of all, you go for a sales agent. Now distribution is an absolute minefield. So I'm going through all this process of the film producing, doing everything, learning everything that I didn't know. And then when it's finished, the, I've got to learn a load more stuff, which is distribution. So that's a minefield. But luckily, I managed to get a good sales agent. He's got it to distri- he's got it distributed. So they're with a, a, a film company. So it will be distributed, hopefully, uh, back end of this year. So it'll still go to festivals and things like that. But hopefully, you'll be able to see it on on Amazon and all those kind of things back end of the year. But I'll invite you to the premiere anyway, Carl. Yes. Thank hopefully, you. when we've got freedom, freedom of movement, <laughs> you can come up and we'll get it on the big screen and uh, yeah, have a premiere. Last year, man. That, that's yeah. I'm fucking yes, yes, please. Like literally anything to get out of the house at the moment. Yes, well, we were please. supposed to be doing it this. Well, we we're supposed to be doing it last year, having a <laughs> massive. Because that's the thing. Even if the film doesn't do that well, one thing I do know is I'm going to have about two or three hundred people there, my friends, people I know, mm. and we're going to probably raise a little bit of money for charity, watch the film, have a big drink and a, a laugh afterwards. Um, and celebrate oh, so yeah so look forward to that mate sounds absolutely phenomenal yeah can't be in um what was i say uh, did you when you were in the scripting phase did you go to this is literally me asking to look because i'm yeah. learning at the moment yeah did you go through a literary agent first or did you send it off to um production companies right so I've done all the mistakes in the past, but what one thing that is quite important now, if you write a script, you can give it to friends and family, but they won't give you what you need, which is a real opinion, a professional opinion. So I have a reader, uh, a guy, now a lady, that you have to pay. So you have to pay them. It's not a huge amount. That's what I do. That's what I've got. I've got that as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And just find someone that works for you. I had a, a, a guy I work with who was just, I told him what I want. I said, look, I don't want all this bullshit. You know, we need to bring in the protagonist's story to the front of the, I said, just bullet point everything. Just bullet mm. point. This, I think this should happen. This is not right. This doesn't sound right. Can you change this? Just send me a load of pages. Just tell me, and then I can pick all these things. So that's how I like to work. So everybody's different, but do that. I say to loads of people, they'll send me scripts, and the scripts are like, oh, my God, you got the basics wrong. Mm. Just get the basics right. Uh, and a reader, if you keep getting that feedback, over time, you'll you'll get it made a massive difference to me, a mm. massive difference how how I write definitely. So that's what I did, and then when you get it back after your tenth or twentieth revision, which is just <laughs> crazy, you could just keep revising. Then you've got different options. If it's a you got to think, is it a film that I can get someone to make? I can look someone to make. Can I raise the money for it? Or you might just be in it for the right and you want to hand it over. There's Lots of competitions that you can enter, trying to find the right one. Some are easier than others. Uh, it's trying to get it in those hands. It's so difficult trying, trying to get an agent. But what I would say, Kyle, is get a few under your belt. Get three or four projects under your belt because a lot of people have this one little gem that they love. Mm. But you, you know, And what if someone says, oh, I enjoy that, 
but let me show me some more of your work because the chances are of you having a script and someone saying, yes, I love that, we're going to make it, from a new writer is very mm. slim. But what you do have is a chance of someone saying, oh, I like the way he writes. Let's see what house he's got. Do you mm. see what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, there's, no e there's no easy answer, but I know the more you write, uh, the more you do and the more refined you are, mm. um, the better chances you've got. But it's not easy. No, and because I'm writing sitcoms at the moment, I have a newfound respect for anyone who's worked on a multi-camera sitcom, but you know, that multi-camera mm. studio audience like laughs at everything. Even when the sitcom's bad, those have taken hours and hours of years and years and years to create. So I have a newfound yeah. respect for anyone yeah. who's actually got them on the TV. It's yeah. just, but you don't think about that, do you, when you're watching? my family on a Friday night, do you? Oh, God, yeah. It's not, nothing happened overnight. I'll tell you what, though, sitcom's quite a niche, which is good for mm. you because you can, and I know BBC have writer's rooms, mm -hmm. uh, if you've seen on there, where you can just send your script in. So there are some places where you can send unsolicited scripts in. Mm. Actually, I was just thinking about one then. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there are places you can send unsolicited scripts in. Yes, there's not much chance. You've, well, you've always given yourself a chance. Mm. But sitcoms, there's all, there's lo I'll get loads of things through my email and that saying, oh, have you written a sitcom? Mm. Um, and it is specialised. You know, mm. Whereas people are writing lots of films, um, thrillers, horrors, things like that, sitcom is a bit – so you're in a market that's not as saturated. That's um, right. And if it's funny, if you you know, that's the key, isn't it? If someone reads it and they think this is funny, mm. you're halfway home, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Um, so let's talk about the radio show. So when did that start? When did that come into, come into play? So the radio show, uh, basically I went on to the radio to talk about one of my films. Uh, I knew the presenter and I just said, did they do anything with films? And he said, no. So I said, well, look, can I do just, uh, I think I recorded a little bit of me talking about a film. Mm. I just sent it into them. And they said, oh, come in. It didn't happen overnight. I had to have a few, talk to a few people, tell them what I wanted to do. Mm. And then I managed to just get a slot uh, and go from there where we just, we talk about film, get local filmmakers in. So I really enjoy that. The difficulty of that has been, obviously COVID. Mm. Uh, so I've took a sabbatical from that at the minute because also the film industry is just a nightmare to try and okay. talk about uh, every every week. Oh, it's just not right. <laughs> is anything going on? No. <laughs> no, not not really. I mean, there are films coming out, yeah. but it's not the same, is it? Is no. get, I used to like getting the UK box office top ten, having a good old dig round on that. Whereas you can't you can't do that now. There's nothing. There's nothing there. <laughs> Question: What's been the worst? What are the worst films that you've seen in your lifetime? Well, the thing is, you say that you know that. Oh, I read something a while back, and because I'm a filmmaker, I really struggle to see mm. the bad in a film because I know the pain and misery the filmmaker's been through, regardless of how rubbish it is. Mm. So I wouldn't say, I, I can honestly say, there's not been a really terrible film. And if it is terrible, then I'll see the good in it. Um, but and it's often not the actual director or writer's fault because it's been through yeah. so many hands. Yeah, it could be. There's numerous reasons. 
sometimes I'll see a film and think, yeah, that was a bit frustrating. Hmm. I'll never think uh, it was it was rubbish. And I quite like the frustrating bit. So if you watch a film and there's not a real ending, I like that. Whereas a lot hmm. of people, your general audience, will be going, well, that's a load of shit. But I, li- <laughs> I like that. I like it when there's... Um, when there's there's no ending, no real ending, it's frustrating. But yeah, or when there's or they do like a Lord of the Rings three, and there's about five endings. <laughs> yeah, but they're just you know they're just things that you just watch and just take on board, and you don't you don't. It's quite funny. My mm. film taste. I'll watch anything. Right. Um, yesterday, so for instance, yesterday we just said right, we'll have a we'll have a film day. I had a few drinks. Watch films all day. Uh, well, what did, you, what, what did you watch? So, we watched Pain and Gain. Oh, I, I'm not, just... I, I've not seen that, but apparently, that is like yeah. Michael Bay's best yeah, film. Yeah, it's Michael Bay. It's just, you know, you don't need to think about it. It's Mark <laughs> Wahlberg, The Rock. It's funny. And it's, it's based on a true story. As yeah, well. it's just crazy. Uh, and I just love it. It's easy watching. Then we watched Zombieland because <laughs> my daughter's never seen it. She's getting a bit older now, so I said, you can watch Zombieland. <laughs> um, so we're watching all these films like that. And then a couple of days ago, I watched uh, a foreign film called Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a very ah. classic, beautiful, stunning film where not a lot happens, but the dialogue and the filming is stunning. So I'll watch any, I'll watch, uh, you know, I love everything mm. and it's spectrum one end of the spectrum to another as long as it entertains me mm. i'm i'm happy have you seen sputnik which is on netflix no no that is one on the list i watched one on the list is it good i, I watched it last night and do you know it is one of those it's one of those ones where i thought i knew where it was going because you know it starts off with this isn't really a spoiler i think i reckon it's in the trailer like a couple of astronauts you've seen them in space and two of them two of them go up to space and when they land there's three people and three other well three people come back three people come back to earth and yeah. you think it's going to be a bit like alien or something or, or another yeah. like that and it's it is to an extent but it's so much more it is so much more than that and it, yeah. the creature effects in it are initially terrifying but then they just yeah. become just really impressive, and I'd really highly recommend it. It's it's all in Russian, but it's got yeah. subtitles. It's all it's yeah, got subtitles yeah. and everything. And yeah, no, like, I saw the trailer. I'd, I'd heard about it a while back. The problem as well is being with a film buff. I have a list mm. of films to watch. It's just endless, and that that's on there. So now you've said that, that'll mm. that'll g, g me up to watch that. So, but they're little hidden gems as well. I think that was a low budget, fairly low budget thing. It didn't um, look it at all. It yeah, did, yeah, did. yeah. And that's the thing with special effects now. You know, you can do it. Some of these computers will run. Like Pixar, mm. the motion graphics and stuff like that that they used originally now is available free. Anyone can use it mm. from years ago. So technology is moving on that much now. The, the, the access we can get at home is as good as the big studio films 10 years ago, which is pretty crazy if you think yeah. about it. It's absolutely insane. Like, you can make – it's just mad. The, the technology that they used back in the 90s, you've now got on your iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you do green screen, it's like, 
I'd never years ago. I'd never thought of using green screen in any of my mm. films, and I'm, I'm just finishing writing one now. And I've put a couple of things in there where we use green screen, and I wouldn't use it because I think I don't know what I'm doing. It's not going to look any good. But I just did a test, and it's like Jesus, you can't, you cannot tell. It's amazing. Mm. So yeah, it's good, good, good stuff. So uh, Alan Partridge, you picked Aha! Alan to talk about. Yes, <laughs> um, why did you pick Alan Partridge? And what, first of all, what iteration of Alan Partridge do um, were you most thinking about when you pick when you pick this? Well, well, Alan Partridge. Uh, oh, I just love Alan Partridge so much. Mm. About twenty years ago, probably a little bit longer. Uh, a friend of mine uh, over Leamington. We used to go out, go over Leamington, talk, uh, go drinking when I was a youngster, and we get back. Uh, at night, and he'd put Alan Partridge on. I'm like, mm. who is this character? And this was when he was doing Knowing Me, Knowing You. Yeah, excellent. So I thought I knew about it, and my mate was always used to do his catchphrases and that, and I'd be laughing and that. <laughs> so then we got to a point where um, the one came out, I'm just having a look now what year it was. Is it, I'm, Alan, is it I'm Alan Partridge, or is it? Yeah, it's, yeah. So, so of course, you had all the, the, the young ones, and then was it 2000 and... Two was it? I'm Alan Partridge, two, 1997 mm. to uh, 2002. God, that's mm. fucking hell. Mm. And I just watched that. I had the box set and I watched it hundreds, thousands of times, just relentless. I just love the character. I just think he's just hilarious. I think back then as well, I went to see Alan Partridge. He was doing a show. Oh, brilliant. Uh, and in London, and I went and seen that, which was hilarious. He was there walking through the crowd. Simon <laughs> Pegg was there. So, you know, Simon Pegg, mm. who's famous, very famous now. Yes. He was nobody back then, and he was working with Alan Partridge. So he come on and did a few characters, but no mm. one knew who he was. And I was like, this kid's really good, and look what happened to him now. Yeah. Um, but I, I just thought, I just love the character. I just think the character's just so, he's just, he says what people want to say. Mm. Without thinking, he's quite a pathetic character, but a lovable character. He's just so complex, and Steve Coogan is just an absolute, absolute genius. I just think I just love the fact that if if it had taken if he'd have taken a slightly more left turn, you'd have completely hated Alan Partridge. Yeah, but Steve Coogan and whoever else is writing with him have they managed to just toe the line perfectly yeah, yeah to make him an absolute buffoon mm. but still slight not exactly relatable but sympathetic enough where you can actually watch it yeah yeah he's a very intelligent ca- character and steve mm. coogan's you know massively intelligent because like you say mm. he can say an insult that is terrible and you're mm. laughing and it's yeah. because they know, they know that fine line, they know what's funny and they know what's not. You could go through a whole episode and he only needs to say one line that's really doesn't sink right or mm. feel right and it ruins the whole show, but he doesn't. And he has it for, the, for his whole career. Mm. Alan Partridge has not made a, a 
put a foot wrong. No. Even when he's insulting people, when he's he's been racist in the past, yeah. homophobic, but he does it in the right context. Mm. You know, I mean, Ricky Gervais talks about this a lot, about jokes and things like that. If you do it in the right context, you're not trying to hurt anyone. You're not trying to be nasty. It's in the context. That's right. And it's just, it is, it's such a great character. I just love, I love the idea of someone who's on this kind of money living on living in a hotel and yeah. <laughs> yeah it was just i love that series i mean i love his other stuff with alan partridge and the later on stuff mm. but back then he was just such a sad character the story of him at this hotel mm. trying to get his career back up and running <laughs> and you know and oh, just so when they and, the, uh, and some of the ideas, some of the TV ideas he tries to pitch monkey to the tennis, BBC. monkey, t- <laughs> monkey, <laughs> monkey tennis with Carol Waterman or something, or something. <laughs> yeah. just, oh, oh, it's so funny, but he's, it's ironic. He doesn't see the irony in it. No. He doesn't see. But the thing you is, know, you, but the thing is, you know that those kind of pictures are being given to TV producers every single day. Yeah, so it's yeah. So, it's so on the nose, but it's so accurate at the same time. Yeah, you feel sorry for him though, don't you? When he's like, "Give me a new series, just yeah. give me a new series, <laughs> just just to give me new smell my cheese." You just feel so sorry for him. You think, you know, give him a new series, but yeah. in the back of your mind, you're like, "Well, don't give him a new series because then he'll be, then he'll have made it." Mm. And you never want Alan Partridge to really make it because he wouldn't be the same as mm. that struggling guy. And he's, he's such a great character because he's not, he's never nasty, nasty, nasty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's just trying to make his yeah. way and trying to, he's just a beautiful, beautiful character. If that's what, we talk about different people that are heroes and people, if that's one mm. person I'd love to interview, if, you know, in the future, more mm. uh, podcasts could do better and get bigger and bigger guests, uh, Steve Coogan would Steve be one. Coogan. Oh. And he's had a lot of flack. He's had a lot of flack in the past, and yeah. with his some of his, you know, his opinions and that he is opinionated sometimes. But I just love the guy. I think he's brilliant. I think as a writer, and I think personally, some of his well, some of the because there was something that came out last year, wasn't it, about the about furloughs and whatever. I think not to put not to be political or anything, but I don't think he was completely in the wrong with what, if I'm remembering it correctly. If the press don't. The press don't. The press don't like him at all. The, no. Because he holds them accountable. Yeah. And they don't like that. What the what the press want is they think if you're famous, you make a lot of money. We can tell. We can say what we want mm. uh, about you. And he's not happy with that. And yeah. so, you know, and yeah. he's intelligent enough to say that. Now, some people will say, well. Some people love the media and want the media to work for them so they can make more money and be more famous. And mm. so the media think, well, you want that, but you've got to take it the other way. But he's not like that at no. all. He, I think he'd stay out of fame if he could. Mm. Um, he just loves doing these characters. Mm. And what was it? What, what was I going to say? Um, back, to sort of, back to sort of Alan Bodge sort of a bit. I, I just think, like, he, it's a classic sitcom thing. Because you said about the not, him not getting the pic, not getting the series on the pictures. It's the classic sitcom thing where the character that you love, even though they can grow a little bit, they can't grow too much because otherwise <laughs> yeah. they can't. Otherwise, because yeah. the, the point when they grow to when they the point where they properly grow, that's a series finale. That's it. You can't do anymore with that with that yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and, yeah. Um, otherwise, it just doesn't work anymore. So that's why. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, have you seen his his recent one this time with Alan Partridge, which was okay and it's still funny, uh, but it hasn't got that on oh, Alan Partridge that that was his life, so to speak. And now he's running a show. Yeah, see his um, life is I see, interesting. I suppose. Yeah, I've seen a bit of it, and I quite like the bits I saw, hmm. and because. Even, it kind of proved that even it's it's a classic thing of yeah oh you've got this you've got what you wanted but you still want more isn't it yeah yeah and so yeah, and yeah. what you think you want isn't the thing isn't the thing that isn't all you isn't all that's cracked up to be yeah exactly he's still got those insecurities he's still got those things going wrong at home mm. uh, and with his life um, yeah so it is it's funny but I just think. I am Alan Partridge throughout his whole career. Mm. Sometimes you just get that nugget of genius that just mm. everything comes together. Some of the other characters in it are brilliant. Mm. You know, the Geordie guy, yeah. people like that. And I think that just, because, yeah, that just, just in that period, just it took off. And to me, it was just, it, it's up there with uh, Faulty Towers, mm. classics like that, absolute mm. classics. Uh, definitely that was. If you could remake Iron Man and Partridge, if you had no choice, the BBC had your nuts yeah. in a bind, so to speak, yeah. and you had no choice but to remake Iron Man and Partridge for today's audience, how would you do it? Oh, fuck. I wouldn't have a fucking clue. Wouldn't have a clue. I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue. You can't recreate some of that. You can't recreate genius. You just can't. He's, you know, how would you recreate it? It, it, well, the first thing is you, you got to have Steve Coogan. You couldn't, no one else could do that character. Yeah, um, and I think you just put him in a situation and let him go. And Steve Coogan's that good; he could just mm. go with it. You just got to think of the situation. So the situation for this was: he's in a hotel, mm. he's homeless, he's losing his his job, <laughs> and they and then you just say, "There you go, off you go, roll with it." And each mm. episode, something else happens. So it's thinking of those things, isn't it? It's thinking of. I'm Alan Partridge. Where is he? Mm. What's his problem? What's his goal? It's the same old story, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, your goal, what's he want? Why does he want it? And then it's the character. You put the character in there and there you go, off you go. And if you're a genius like Alan, uh, Alan like Steve Coogan. Well, they're basically, they're the same, let's be honest, Alan Partridge is a living, breathing thing at this point. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's an excellent answer, man. Um, I know you've got to go, so like, um, where can people find you, find your work and stuff? So, oh, right. Um, well, if you go to uh, Greeno Films is where all my films and scripts and everything on there. Greeno Films, that tells you everything. And a kidnap, if you put a kidnap uh, film, everything for that will come up and it'll tell you the release dates. Mm. And then the only other thing is the podcast, which is my way of thinking, which you came on yes. generously. Uh, and that's growing and growing all the time. And we have some great chats on there. So uh, you just oh. put my way of thinking podcasting that comes up on YouTube and, and on Apple as well. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Roger. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah. Oh, all right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure as always. <laughs> yeah. No problem, Carl. I enjoyed it. You look after yourself. Have a great day. You too, mate. All right. See you later. Bye. Good.